Welcome back to the Innovators Podcast, everybody. On this episode, we get to interview Ray Schmidt. Ray is the founder of Farm Story Meats, which is a farm-to-table, well, I guess I should say a farm-to-doorstep food delivery company. Ray connects uh, local Iowa farmers with folks all around the United States and delivers meat straight to their door. Um, Check out his website at Farm Story Meats, and of course, he will do a much better job of explaining the process uh, in the podcast than I can do here. But I got to give Ray a special thank you to start off. Ray actually brought me a bag of his homegrown pork jerky. Um, and I got to be honest, I opened it and I ate the whole bag. So thank you, Ray, for that. And also thank you for being on the podcast. I hope everybody enjoys this episode. Um, I know I enjoyed talking to Ray as kind of a, a fellow farm kid. Um, Ray has a lot of business expertise to share. Ray has uh, some really cool stories to share, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Ray, thank you for joining us on the Innovators Podcast. Um, Just want to give a little bit of background. Go ahead and talk about your education, uh, your time thus far, and uh, give us a little background on your company, Farm Story Meats. Yeah, so I graduated from high school, Williamsburg High School, in 2012, and I came to Iowa State with a few college credits, so I started out in the graphic design program, and then um, I became more interested in business, seeing what Iowa State had to offer in the business program, so I added management, and then it wasn't that many more credits to add marketing, so I'm like, what the heck, I'll just triple major. So You finished with a triple major? Uh, yeah, I finished with a triple major in 2017. Wow. And that you did that in four years? I did it in five. In five years? Yeah. Okay. okay. I was going to say three majors in four years. That's pretty impressive, especially across a couple different colleges. Yeah. Was, uh, I had the, sometimes I had to get from Jardine to College of Design, and there's like a 10-minute passing period, and I had an Excel sheet averaging my walk times, yeah. and I was at like 9.45 pretty consistently. So, so you're, you're an Excel guy, huh? Well, uh, I had to to be uh, yeah. get all those classes done. So. That's cool. That's cool. That's interesting. What? When did you start the? Um, I guess before we get into your company, when did you kind of start toying with the idea of, you know, creating your own business? Where did that idea stem from? So uh, my dad's uh, a business owner. He's a farmer, but mm-hmm. all farmers are business owners. So uh, kind of my role model with that seeing what he did seemed like a, a good idea. Like he, he's his own boss. He makes mm-hmm. his own schedule. Um, every decision he makes affects his whole business company, whatever. Mm-hmm. So kind of always had that in the back of my mind when I was about five or so, I built a pillow fort and started Raymart and, uh, I colored in like color coloring book pages and, um, sold them to family so you started off young started off young yeah so it was like five cents for a coloring book page and i had a what was your profit margin on that it was pretty good because (laughs) i didn't have to pay for any of the supplies (laughs) oh gosh that's funny so i had a a little toy dump truck that i delivered them with throughout the house so you got early practice you 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 knew how to do it from a young age yeah so that that was the first business so i i also grew up on a farm and and personally uh seeing my dad uh, be the sole proprietor of the farm. I never, I never saw him as an entrepreneur or a business owner. Did you see that early on, or was that something that you kind of realized later on as you as you got into college, or was that something that you realized right away? Uh, I don't think I realized it right away. I mean, mm-hmm. 
he he calls himself a farmer other people called him a farmer so first and foremost mm-hmm. he's a he's a uh, a farmer livestock um we had pigs and sheep and stuff but um yeah it, as i got older i realized like oh there's there's a lot of business to this thing like you know financial uh, analysts uh managing cash flows all that sort of thing um, so I, I guess I started taking hold of that in college and that's when I started my second business, my first kind of official business. And that was patches of pumpkins. So talk about that. What was, what yeah. was patches of pumpkins? So patches of pumpkins started from the idea of my 4-H club in high school had, uh, grew pumpkins for a fundraiser and we sold them on a hay rack in, in my hometown and it started doing pretty well. And um, I always really liked pumpkins and Halloween and the fall season. So I'm like, oh, that, that could be fun. So uh, I rented a, an acre or two from my dad and had my own patch and managed it. And I convinced my college friends to help me plant and then again to help me harvest. And so I'd bring them all to Iowa State and then I'd sell to sororities, fraternities, clubs, kind of just a, a little bit of everybody. And yeah. Where's your Where's your family farm located? Uh, my family farm is east of Williamsburg, Iowa. Okay, so how far is that from Ames? What's the What's the transport time to get pumpkins? Uh, it's about two hours to get pumpkins from here to there. Yeah, two hours. Yeah, okay. I used the I, I borrowed the hog trailer. Okay, and um, back in around were you like filling areas. an entire hog trailer full of pumpkins? Oh, was yeah. this like a lot of pumpkins? This was a lot of pumpkins. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was gonna say like an acre of pumpkins. Like, were you, is that an entire acre of just pumpkins? Uh, I split it up. So some of it would be like the big carving type okay. you would see. And some would be like, uh, they're called Jack B. Littles. They're yeah. the, the little mini ones. Like a little decorative. Yeah, kinda, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So fun. where, at what point did you transition to uh, working on Farm Story Meats, uh, you know, as kind of your sole project? So Farm Story Meats has been an idea in my head for a very long time. I saw how hard my dad worked uh, raising the pigs and the quality of meat. And we had locker hogs at the the local locker there. And people would just like, you know, be on wait lists to get the locker hogs. But he was just happy to supply meat for them. And um, it wasn't a state certified locker, so you couldn't resell it. But I, th- I was thinking like, what if we could resell this and we could brand it as our meat? Mm-hmm. Um, then of course I went to college and the main reason behind Patches of Pumpkins was to get my feet wet in the business world, kind of learn um, like what goes behind an LLC and like the taxes and um, kind of a, a practice business as I saw it. But uh, it ended up being fair, fairly successful as I recruited my friends and they had their own patches um, actually in different states. So the the Patches of Pumpkin network got pretty big. Is that something that's still going? Is that still? It uh, is still going. Okay. But are you, do you have any hand in that still, or have you kind of offloaded that too? Yeah, so I did work in, uh, right after college, I worked for Caterpillar, and I moved to North Carolina, mm-hmm. so then I had to hire somebody to manage the company. Gotcha. Very cool. And how are they doing now? Are they still growing? Still still doing well? They're still growing. We're ordering seeds this week for Very another cool. season, but uh, I'm, I'm back in the, the manager's role and um, ready to roll again this fall. But. Very cool. So you're, you're balancing, uh, quite a few different priorities cause you're still a student right now, right? MBA student. Correct. Yeah. I'm in the professional MBA program. Very cool. So the listeners heard a little bit about your business in the beginning, but I'm guessing you're a lot better at telling the story than I am. Could you give us, I know you've been doing a lot of pitch competitions. Can you give us the 90 second pitch of what is farm story meets? All right. I'll, I'll see. Can I do, 
do the official pitch? Yeah, please do. Please okay, do. cool. Have you ever been walking through a grocery store at the meat counter and seen a steak or pork chop and thought, I wonder where that comes from? Who is the farmer that raised it? Oftentimes, it's impossible to tell. I'm looking to change that. Hi, my name is Ray Schmidt, and I am founder of Farm Story Meats. My goal is to bring customers' transparency to the locations, farms, and people that supply their food. I share the stories of farmers, how they raise the animals, and strive to make the supply chain from farm to customer as short as possible. Do you want me to keep going? That's great. That's great. I think that's a very good uh, kind of intro in case anybody was still wanting more information about it. So go into a little more detail. How do you, how do you shorten that distance from consumer, uh, excuse me, from the farm to the consumer? How does that work? Yeah. So I guess, uh, going back a little ways, the, the alternative to taking them to the local locker was to take them to the local buying station. And as a little kid, I asked my dad, like, where do the pigs go after this? And he's like, you know, they go here and here, and then I don't really know. <laughs> and likewise, the customer at the end of the supply chain, you pick up a pork chop and you're like, where did this come from? And you could ask a bunch of people at the grocery store, and I mm-hmm. could almost guarantee no one would have any idea what farmer raised that. So seeing how lengthy the supply chain was, I did some research, and it's like the pigs could be transferred all over the place. Um, the meat could be transferred all over the place, different distribution centers, different warehouses. Um, so shortening the supply chain, um, you really only need three or four steps. So the farmer takes it to the local locker or processor. Um, I pay the farmer from there. So the farmer doesn't have to wait to get a check. So they get, they get paid right away. Um, they get processed. I pay the locker right away. And then I pick up the meat and as people buy it online, I ship it right to their door. Seems pretty simple. How do you, how many, how many farmers do you work with? Uh, currently I work with, uh, my dad who's, uh, you know, the inspiration behind the business. So that's, that's the pork side of things. I also work with a grass fed farmer, uh, black Angus beef farmer, pasture raised poultry, and my newest addition is a sheep farmer. So you're all across the meat spectrum. You've got, you've got everything to offer. Correct. How, I, I can't imagine that it's, you know, very, uh, easy to to you know, package all these and, and send them off to all your individual customers. How, how many customers do you have? Are you shipping things to all different states, or is it kind of local? Uh, I've shipped to 33 states so far. So um, I've gotten, like, all the corners, basically. I mean, I've shipped to Miami area. I've shipped to Seattle, San Diego, Cape Cod, really? and most places in between. What does it cost to ship a box of meat to like Seattle. So I mean, that's a long, that's a long way. It is a long way. So, and I can't imagine a box of steaks is, is very light. It's, it's not. Um, the interesting part about shipping is, um, it's not necessarily the weight and it's not even as much the size. It's the fact that you're shipping something and then it's also distance based and time based. So okay. for shipments like on the coast, I usually have to do two day air, which, um, greatly lowers the profit margin. But um, if it gets quality protein to people that want it, I, I think it's worth it. What, uh, if you had like a, a rough percentage, what, how much more does it cost to get this kind of meat, this kind of uh, food rather than just going to the grocery store? Are your prices doubled? Are your prices like 150%? What approximately? Um, so it was actually surprising as I looked into it, like 
I looked at uh, some competitors, uh, especially the two famous Iowa grocery stores. And really to do what I'm doing, if you want to ship their meat, it is, I'm very price competitive, if not below their prices really? for shipping. Um, if you do want to go to the store and get it, um, it is uh, slightly cheaper. I would say I'm probably about 10 to 20% more expensive in really? general. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's amazing. I, I would not have guessed it would be remotely competitive, I guess, if that makes sense. I, I would have assumed that it would cost just a lot more the way that you're doing it. But obviously, I mean, even if it is costing a little bit more, obviously people are finding value in it and, and purchasing it uh, based on the number of orders that you're doing. Yeah. Have you, have you seen why do your customers come to you? What I know you mentioned the, uh, the quality protein aspect, but like what's the, what's the differentiator uh, between, you know, your product and just going to the store and buying a steak? I think people would really do value shopping local. And um, even when you shop local, you don't always know where the products come from. But uh, every order I send out comes with an origin chart, which shows where the meat comes from on the animal, the farmer that raised it, and even where in Iowa the farm is located. And I'm very transparent with the information. If anybody asks me any question, I can answer. Um, just a little bit about the farmers. They could do their own background research. But I think people like um, knowing the person that raised the animal in, in a world where a lot of things are covered up or sugar-coated. Um, I just want to be as transparent as I can with people. Interesting. So I think, I think that honesty and transparency catches people's attention. Mm -hmm. And I would say there's definitely some value. I mean, especially as we've seen with, with uh, the transition to delivery and, you know, straight to your door whether that's, you know, starting with Amazon uh, somewhere in that ballpark, or especially when COVID hit, you know, the amount of groceries that are getting delivered. Did COVID bump your sales? Was that like, was that a noticeable uh, kind of line in the sand of like, you know, this really developed some more demand for your product? Uh, it, it did. Um, the business model was always to ship and to uh, drop off. So, um, Local deliveries, I drop off an insulated tote right on the doorstep. So, and then we talked about shipping. So the business model was always to do that. And luckily the the fall of 2019, I worked out all the kinks in my shipping system. So by the start of 2020, I was ready to hit the ground running. Of course, COVID happened. And um, it wasn't an immediate bump because uh, I was still getting my feet wet in the, the marketing and advertising. But I, I remember April was record sales, followed by May being record sales, and it really did take off an, in about April for me. Not not to get too uh, cliche or use too many uh, buzzwords. Are but you going to use new normal? I will not use new normal. <laughs> I will not use new normal on this podcast. I will not use unprecedented. These are just truly unprecedented times. Uh, well, all times are unprecedented. Oh, I will. I refuse to utilize that vocabulary. Uh, but what are some of your biggest takeaways? I think a lot of folks listening to this podcast are listening because they are interested in starting their own business, or maybe they're maybe they're just interested in hearing entrepreneur stories. What in the short time that this has really taken off? What are some of the biggest takeaways? If you could list three, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you've learned? Okay. Um, like I said, not to be too cliche, but. Yeah. So three takeaways. Um, 
the the first one being I don't think there's necessarily a right time to start your own business or to fully launch into it. But I think the wrong time may be waiting. Um, you might not be ready. You're going to make mistakes, but just jumping right in. And I mean, I'm a trial and error kind of guy. So um, figuring it out on the fly, I think kind of forces some innovation. Um, you just got to get your feet wet and, and keep going and, and learn as you go. I think that's one of the best teachers is if, if you wait too long, you might miss your window. So um, like taking advantage of opportunities as they come. Um, so the, the second one would be, I was really pleasantly surprised with how many people uh, have gravitated towards the business. So um, a lot of people aren't bored with this. Like, obviously, I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> that's why I did it. But um, I've been pleasantly surprised with how other people have really um, thanked me for what I'm doing and really appreciated it. And I think it's great that these farmers that work so hard and, you know, otherwise would have their meat lost the, the masses would, are finally getting the recognition they deserve for their hard work. And um, they're able to see the satisfied customers and, and hear feedback from, oh, that was one of the best pork chops I've ever had or um, this bacon is to die for, or that's, that's a great steak. So it's, it's been really rewarding for me to, to see the farmers be satisfied. And then the the third thing would be just, uh, um, kind of learning more about my customers. Uh, really the, the key to success in a business is just listening to your customers. It's, it seems like common sense, but so many businesses, um, either choose not to, or, or forget to listen to their customers. So, um, starting out is just, absorbing all the feedback I could. And, um, a lot of times feedback from strangers is the most honest because, um, family and friends of course would be supportive, but, um, you got to look for that constructive criticism to improve. So, um, just listening to customers along the way, what, what kind of cuts they like, if they like the packaging. And, or, I mean, on that note, originally I thought my customer base was going to be upper middle-class suburban families, but, Really, I sell across the spectrum. I sell to just as many rural people as people in the city. So, um, because for a lot of people, their uh, closest source of protein may be a Dollar General, mm-hmm. and with my business model, I can ship right to their home. So they're never too far away to receive high quality protein. So uh, I guess just learning about your customer and uh, adapting those customers' needs. Very cool. So back to the back to the business itself. Uh, first off, where where can people find your where can people find your information? What's the web link? So my website is farmstorymeats.com. Okay. And, and now, do you sell? Is it subscription based? Can you buy one-off boxes and have them delivered? What does that look like? So you can buy. Uh, there's a subscription box, which is probably the best value. But if you don't want to commit, um, I know other business models. Um, are only subscription, but I thought that was a little unfair to the customer. Like, um, I mean, who am I to make you commit to every month spending $75 for something you've never tried before? So I want people to have the opportunity to try it. Once they love it, they start buying subscription boxes, but, um, uh, they can also buy bundles. So, um, bundles are come with typically free shipping in the central U S um, they can also do add-ons, so maybe the bundle doesn't have everything you want or you want extra bacon. You can buy individual cuts as well. Um, as far as the, the shipping goes, within the whole central United States, if you buy a bundle, 
and anything else, it's free shipping. Or if you spend over $150, it's free shipping in the central U.S. Very cool. Where do you, okay, last last question. Where do you see Farm Story Meats going? It to, to me, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like this would be hard to really scale up and ramp up, which seems like kind of the uh, stereotypical idea of success for a startup business. Uh, but where do you see this? Where do you see Farm Story Meats going? Like, what are your long-term goals? So for Farm Story Meats, I would, it's continuing to grow and I'm trying to keep it at a controlled, steady pace because I don't want to lose our vision of who we are. Um, I write a handwritten note to every single customer for every order, and I'm going to continue to do that no matter how big we get. So I want to keep that personal touch. Um, However, with the demand, uh, Farm Store Meats is growing and growing quickly. So uh, I do have, there are applications for farmers to join the Farm Story family and to grow that way. Getting locker dates, I do have uh, a lot booked into the future. So there is the scalability aspect. I'll be hiring an an intern to help with uh, farmers markets and deliveries. So um, it is scalable, but I want to have a controlled scale just to uh, maintain who we are as a business and keep the company culture we have going on. Very cool. I, I lied. I do have one more question. So okay. uh, ask, ask as many as you'd like. You I'm bet. Fund. <laughs> so the, um, let's see, what was this? About a week ago, a week and a half ago, uh, Senator Grassley came to the research park to hear you present about your company. He obviously took some interest in that. Uh, uh, Secretary Mike Nag was here. Your dad was also here. It seemed like from my short interaction with your father, that he's really excited about what you're doing. How, how has he, um, has he always been on board since the very beginning? It, you know, is he, um, what, what's it like working directly with, uh, your father? I guess I, I kind of asked this from a more personal perspective of also having a father who is a, a farmer. And I'm just curious about what that, what that's, what that's like. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, having such a, an established relationship with your supplier. <laughs> been cultivating <laughs> that's, that's one way to put yeah, it. I've been cultivating that relationship for 27 years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it, it's been fun. And, uh, as, as you know, and many of the listeners were know, uh, farmers are very independent people mm-hmm. and, um, he has a system that works for him. So, uh, we thought it was best instead of branding it like Schmidt pork or something like that. Um, I thought it was best to establish my own business and he has his, obviously we work, very closely together as mm-hmm. he's the the only pork supplier um so having our own businesses keeping them separate like i have my books he has his books we both make decisions that affect our own company so i think that helps maintain that healthy relationship um so my dad primarily sells breeding stock that's the that's the core of his business and as he's taking pigs to market the the markets would fluctuate quite a bit and obviously oftentimes you the farmer probably doesn't get what they actually deserve as far as price per pound so the way i look at it is farm store meats is kind of controlling its own market taking our destiny into our own hands because essentially we set the market price i mean Mm -hmm. we can't be uh too out of control based on uh what what it would cost in a grocery store but um as we talked about before i'm not really that off base the way it is so Mm -hmm. Um, very price competitive. So it's been a way to kind of help uh, support the family farm too, because uh, it goes through 
you know, tough times and, um, having this as an outlet for him to sell his pigs is, has been a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's, it's been really nice, uh, you know, learning from him, his past experiences and, uh, his trials and errors throughout the years and offering business advice and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's been nice to, um, and, and it's a good excuse to call him up. So yeah. we, we talk more than we, we used to, I guess. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool that you have, uh, that kind of relationship there still. And obviously, uh, obviously something's working. Uh, so keep up the good work. I'm going to have to get a box. I'm definitely going to get a box. I'll probably send one home too. Did I sugar ma- I can, maple bacon, sugar, maple yeah, bacon, get the thick cut. All right. You All won't, right. you won't be sorry. <laughs> I will look into it. Absolutely. Um, Ray, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate having you on the innovators podcast. And if anybody is interested in, uh, checking out farm story meats, learning more, we can check out the website. I'll put the link in the description below, but Ray, thanks again. Yep. Thank you for having me. You bet. <laughs>